Welcome to the Sherburn Podcast and our fourth episode looking at how Sherburn is coping with COVID-19. This week, those on the front line in the battle against coronavirus. There was one week where I had two bottles of hand gel delivered for the whole hospital. We are still open for business. We triage everything to ensure that if anyone's got any COVID symptoms, we see them in a safe and appropriate place. And likewise, the patients with non-COVID symptoms are kept separate from any COVID patients. Up to today, 600 people in Dorset have tested positive for the virus. In London, the figure is 22,000. In the area covered by Dorset Council, 300 have tested positive. 22 patients have died at Dorset County Hospital in Dorchester, 7 at local community hospitals and 12 at Yeovil District Hospital. Newspaper and television news coverage is dominated by reports of the NHS not getting enough personal protective equipment they need to stay safe. So what's the real situation here in Sherbourne? The Grove Medical Centre is now the designated hot site where patients from the town and the surrounding area with symptoms can be assessed in a controlled way. But Dr Liz Long from The Grove says the five weeks of lockdown have restricted the spread of the virus locally. At the point that we're seeing them in primary care, they are all just suspected cases. Um, And in the main, we endeavour to triage patients to make sure that they get to see the right clinician first time. If they are sounding very poorly, then we may have just telephone triaged them to go straight to the hospital. Um, but over the last few weeks, we've set up what's called a hot site in the surgery. And that's a sectioned off part of the building. And if we think a patient has got possible COVID symptoms, we bring them into there and uh, do whatever examination is essential before we decide whether they're well enough to remain at home uh, or whether we feel they need hospital admission. And quite frankly, we've not had many patients have to go through that hot site. We've even had days where we've had no patients going through the hot site. And that hot site is for the whole of our primary care network, which covers the Grove surgery. Um, we've got about 12,000 patients. The Apple surgery, we've got about um, five to 6,000 patients and Yetminster surgery with their 4,000 patients. The stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives campaign is working locally. Locally, it's definitely working. And I think we in the southwest uh, were relatively lucky at when the lockdown was brought in. Unfortunately, for the major conurbations, for the Midlands, for London, the situation wasn't so good. And ideally, perhaps that lockdown should have been brought in slightly earlier. But because we didn't have the caseload of virus happening in this area at the time the lockdown was brought in, uh, we've managed to close down on this virus uh, a lot quicker. Before this all started, I'd never heard of PPE. Now that's all you hear. Do you have all the necessary PPE that you need? Yes, we've got quite good supplies here in the surgery. Some of it has been sourced centrally through the NHS and some of it we've procured ourselves. 
we've got enough for our current needs and certainly for the next few weeks, even if things do start to ramp up and we're having to see more and more patients with suspected symptoms. Um, and where we feel patients are at risk, we've got the appropriate PPE to give them when we have to bring them into the surgery. So, for example, if we had a patient who we thought might be more at risk of contracting uh, COVID-19 and getting very unwell from it, but we still have to bring them into the surgery for a procedure, then we're keeping things very safe here for them, handing out uh, face masks to them, gloves to them. And we've got enough supplies at the moment to do that, to keep the patients safe and to keep us safe. Have you been tested? Nope, not been tested. But then again, I've not had any symptoms, so there's been no indication to be tested. Um, we're awaiting um, the opening of another testing site for NHS staff in Wiltshire. At the moment, the uh, testing sites are Exeter and Bournemouth. So they're a long round trip from Sherburn. And if we had a member of staff who was actually unwell, they might not even be able to make that journey themselves because they do generally want the person to come by themselves in the car so that is a bit of a concern, uh, but we've got very few members of staff off, only one with a potential contact with the COVID-19 case and the others um, that we've got off are shielding. So they're in that extremely high risk group that needs to be kept in and safe for 12 weeks. There are a lot of reports of doctors and nurses on the media saying that they're scared to go to work. Um, do you feel that's overblown or do you think that there is genuine fear? I think there is genuine fear in the secondary care um, situation. They're seeing a much more intense load of COVID-19 patients and especially the patients that are going through critical care, the very poorly patients that are going through A&E will be an exposure risk for healthcare staff. And there's been a lot of talk about viral load in that if a healthcare worker is seeing a patient who has got a lot of virus circulating in their body, they will be giving out more virus and the healthcare worker is at much higher risk of contracting a more serious infection with COVID-19. So I quite understand the concern for the secondary care doctors, A&E doctors, critical care doctors. Um, but in primary care, I think we're reasonably well protected at the moment. And when we see patients in our hot site, we will often be able to do the assessments we need to do to determine, do you need to stay at home or do you need to go into hospital by literally assessing the patient when they remain in their own car and with a face mask on. Have you seen a drop-off in the number of patients coming to see you who, uh, for matters other than COVID? Very much. Um, the surgery is eerily quiet um, as regards footfall. Of course, patients still need to come in for certain monitoring blood tests and other procedures, a lot of which is being done by our nurses and in a very safe way. Uh, but as far as face-to-face -face consultations with the GPs, um, they are extremely minimal at the moment, basically because we're trying to keep everyone safe and reduce footfall through the surgery and maintain social distancing. 
but uh, when we do need to bring somebody in we do that in a safe way we don our PPE um, and see patients appropriately uh, we've been astounded at how well the patients have taken to telephone consultations and also we've been able to instigate very rapidly doing video consultations and where the vast majority of people now seem to have smartphones that technology is working for us very well and there's a lot of things that we can do in primary care over telephone and video. Do you think that's the future? I think it probably is the future and in fact when we merged the surgeries we initially attempted to do a full triage system which is basically where every phone call that comes into the surgery we can triage to ensure that the patient gets to speak to the right clinician first time. Um, it didn't work out too well initially and we were somewhat inundated um, by all the all the calls having to go through GPs to triage everything. Um, we've trained up our reception staff to uh, be more um, considered in their approach to which telephone calls they put through to which clinicians. Um, and that's still happening now. Uh, but I foresee that when this situation is over, we will probably be doing a lot more over the phone and video than we were prior to COVID-19 uh, and I think the patients uh, in the main are liking the convenience of telephone and video consultations and there's a lot of things that can be dealt with whereby you don't actually need the patient sitting there in front of you. I must say I had a minor problem with an infected finger not very long ago and I used your e-consult service uh, and I didn't have to come in at all and it was, it was fine. Yeah, and that, that can be very useful and images can be linked to that e-consult as well. So if it's minor skin lesions and rashes, that's a very effective way of us being able to address patients' issues in a timely fashion and then send you back a message which you can then access in your own time frame. Um, and it does seem to work well both for us and for patients. Are you concerned, though, that some patients, uh, perhaps with more serious illnesses, are not coming to the surgery because of their fear of COVID-19? Yeah, that is being talked about. And I've had consultations with perhaps some more elderly and frail patients who, when I've advised that there might be a need for hospital admission, have been very scared about that prospect. I know the hospitals are doing everything that they can to keep non-COVID patients safe and isolated from their COVID patients. Um, but we would always urge people, if they think they've got a serious health need, to contact us in hours or out of hours, either 111 or if it's uh, a suspected stroke or heart attack, of course, 999. Uh, we are still open for business and we're here and happy to take your calls initially. We triage everything to ensure that if anyone's got any COVID symptoms, we see them in a safe and appropriate place. And likewise, the patients with non-COVID symptoms are kept separate from any COVID patients, both in primary care, so general practice, and secondary care in the hospitals. And one of those hospitals caring for patients with COVID-19, as well as other illnesses, is the Yetman. Matron Anne Hiscock is conscious of the special place the hospital has in the hearts of many people in Sherburne. 
Very much so. Um, I think that's what's kept us going, actually, through uh, the last few weeks. Is uh, uh, I've always known that the Yetman's um, very much revered by the local communities, um, but this is really, um, you know, it's it's been like speed, being on speed. Uh, we've we've been absolutely inundated with lots of good wishes, um, food, chocolate, pizzas from the local pub. Um, we've got uh, an army of people out there sewing scrubs for us, um, making gowns and making masks, gadgets to go on the masks so that they don't hurt our ears headbands uh, it's just been the list is endless i could sit here all day and tell you all the things that the local community have done for us and i just don't really know how i'm going to be able to thank them all to be honest because they've just been absolutely amazing and have you been surprised by the uh, level of support shown every thursday evening out in the town I was surprised to begin with. I thought really it was a bit of a, of, of a gimmick and uh, and I was a bit dismissive of it, if I'm honest, to begin with. And, and, I, and I live um, up a, a lane um, in Millbourne Port and there's not many houses where I live. And I, on that first night, I really nearly didn't go out myself and I thought, oh, come on, I'm show willing. <laughs> and... Uh, and I, I did. I went out, and I could uh, I could hear the clapping and pots and pans echoing all over Millbourne Port. Um, it was it it was absolutely amazing, and I think that's really given certainly me and the rest of the staff a buzz. And we've got Hillcrest Court here out out of the back of the hospital. I don't know if you you know Hillcrest Court. Um, it's an assisted living place for older people. And um, on a Thursday night, they all come out onto their balconies clapping. <laughs> um, so it's the, the, the show of support has been absolutely tremendous. And, uh, and the staff go out on a Thursday evening out on the uh, back porch to clap back to the Hillcrest Court people. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we've had pots, pans and all sorts of implements being used. So it's so been funny. How's the hospital been coping? Have you been busy with with COVID patients? Uh, we've not been as busy as we thought we were going to be. We've um, we prepared to be. We we've been preparing for this um, surge um, that we've been expecting since before Easter, and then it moved back to Easter. Then it's and now it's moved into May, um, and um, it doesn't seem to be happening in the same way we thought it might. Um, but we 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 have spent the last four weeks um, doing lots of emergency planning, uh, changing the way we work, changing the way we um, accept patients and discharge patients. Uh, we've changed our services, particularly around the community services, the district nursing team and the therapy team uh, that we have in our community hub. They've all had to change the way they've worked and we've extended our hours um, to be to work longer hours during each day and also um, to cover weekend working as well. Have any of your staff contracted the virus and can't come to work? Um, yeah, we've had about five or six members of staff that have contract, contracted the virus um, and have been um, off, off sick. Um, but um, week by week, they've been um, coming back. They've recovered, recovered really well. Um, but um, we've had a combination of staff 
with with positive uh, corona. Uh, and then we've had another tranche of staff who have had the symptoms and have been self-isolating. Um, and there was a time, a point in time where they weren't swabbing NHS staff. So we will never know whether those people ever did have it. And then we've got another tranche of people, of, um, of staff who are in the shielded group themselves who have got long-term conditions and have to stay away from work as a consequence of that. So um, it's, it has depleted us somewhat. Um, and of course, then that puts pressure on the staff that are still here. Are you being tested now when you need to be? We're being tested now, yeah. That's been in place for the last two two or so weeks, which has been really helpful. So the, the minute a member of staff um, feels they've got symptoms, we're, we're able to test them quite quite quickly. And we've also been able to test their family members. So it might not be them with the symptoms, but it may be a husband. Um, and we've had um, spouses in and we've tested the spouses. Um, so... So we've been doing it all in all different ways, really. The government's come under sustained pressure over the supply of personal protective equipment to medical staff. Do you have adequate stocks at the Yedman? I do now. Um, we 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 were we got quite short um, at the beginning of um, the COVID period, and uh, you know there was one week where I had two bottles of hand gel delivered for the whole hospital when we'd obviously ordered a whole lot more than that. Um, so that was quite stressful because I was didn't know where I was going to get my last, next lot of hand gel from. But um, I've just about managed in those early days to um, skimp through um, the, the scarcity of PPE. And we, we actually haven't um, been affected by it, but just by the skin of our teeth, really. And then as time has gone on, the PPE situation has improved. Um, and I've I've been in touch with local businesses who have helped support making visors, um, and uh, and that's been um, a real um, game changer for us because uh, we're we're wearing visors pretty much most of the time now just as a precaution. Um, but if it wasn't for these local businesses, then we would be struggling for that as well. But our procurement team have been fantastic and have allowed me to do that. So, um, so that's been really helpful. Does that make you angry that you have to do it yourself rather than have it provided for you? Not really. I think we all just need to pull together. And, you know, I think as uh, the politicians are saying, and I do agree, uh, these are unprecedented times. Nobody could have um, mitigated for such a enormous uh, task that the NHS has been under. Um, and um, I think, you know, we're all we're all one team. And if I can do something to ease the way from my end, then I'll do it. And uh, and I think that's the way we've been working. Um, so no, I'm not cross at all about it. I'm just pleased that I'm able and allowed to be able to do the things that I have been doing in order to support the wider group. Because um, the visors I've got, I'm now able to share with the other community hospitals in Dorset, so which is fantastic. Um, and, um, you know, it's just a whole team effort, really, isn't it? And the effort is not messing up at all doesn't feel like it at the moment um you know like i said we um we, we're waiting for this surge to happen and um some some schools have thought is that the surge isn't really going to happen it's going to it's, it's plateaued and it's going to be more of a, a slower longer burn 
rather than this peak that's been talked about recently. Um, and I think with Dorset, we've been one of the lowest affected areas in the country. Um, and we're, we're quite lucky that we live in a rural um, environment. Uh, I think the inner cities and the inner towns have had um, had it much more had much more challenging um, times than we've had. Um, so from that respect, we've got to count our blessings, haven't we? What's your message to Sherbourne? Oh, my message to Sherbourne, that's a good question. I, well, first of all, I just words can't, I can't put into words really how much to thank everybody for all their support. It makes a massive difference to us. It is hard um, and we've, we've, we are struggling from time to time and uh, knowing that um, the local community out there um, is rooting for us makes a huge difference. So I can't, just a massive thank you to them. And really the biggest message, which, you know, to repeat what everybody else has said, is just really try and stick to the rules, try and keep um, to that social distancing and keeping yourselves at home as much as you possibly can and try and let's break the wake of this uh, virus um, as far as we possibly can and for each of us to play our part. As difficult as it is, staying at home mm. really does seem to be working, doesn't it? It's making a huge difference. You know, when you look at the um, the way they portray how coronavirus is spread and it takes one person to infect so many people, um, when you extrapolate that across the communities, it's huge. Um, and for me, I, I look at it as a, as a, as a wildfire and uh, the more breaks we can put in its stride, um, the quicker we can get through this. But as long as you have people that are not going to adhere to those um, guidelines, then we're just all going to be in it for longer. Um, so we really, you know, it's hard and I feel so sorry for people that are isolated at home and they can't see their loved ones. Um, and we're all in the same boat as far as that's concerned, um, even us that are working. Um, but if we can just stick to it, just for a little while longer um, and get the benefit at the end of the day. I think that would be fantastic. Anne Hiscock, the matron at the Yetman Hospital. Next, as the stay-at-home restrictions remain in place for at least another fortnight, maybe you're in need of suggestions for a good read. There's a new novel in the Dorset Chronicle series coming from a local author who talks to the Sherburn podcast next. This is a message from the government about coronavirus. It's important we all help to protect older people and those with existing health conditions from coronavirus. If you or anyone in your household has a high temperature or a new and continuous cough, even if those symptoms are mild, you should all stay at home. Don't go to the GP or hospital. Instead, go to nhs.uk to check your symptoms and follow the specialist medical advice. Only call NHS 111 if you can't get online or your symptoms worsen. The great majority of people will recover well at home. Protect yourself. Protect others. Protect the NHS. You're listening to the Sherburn Podcast. The lockdown is interrupting life for everyone. Local author Chris Oswald was planning to launch the fourth novel in his Dorset Chronicles series at an event at Winston's in Cheap Street next week. That now won't happen. But you can still read the book. Chris has been talking to the Sherburn Podcast's Madeline Pollard. We moved back to England when I sold my business in America about four years ago. And uh, that's when I really started having the time to, to write. And 
we've just absolutely fallen in love with Dorset. So when the opportunity came to to start writing a series of uh, historical fiction, I very much wanted to set it in Dorset. Your Dorset Chronicles, they're about a fictionalised Earl of Sherborne, is that right? That's right, yes. Yeah, I started, I basically started, I, I live near Sturmston Newton, so I started with what I know best, and, uh, but then, so I had characters living in Sturmston Newton, and then I thought I wanted to spread out a little bit, so I uh, invented a uh, an earldom of Sherborne, um, who uh, in the late 17th century happens to be a Catholic, which is very much... Uh, not the done thing. So there's, there's conflict there already. Um, but uh, it, it is a major force. He, he lives in a, in a large house just south of Sherborne and um, is a major character in, both he and his, and his wife are major characters in the, in the, in the Chronicles. And um, how has coronavirus sort of impacted your publishing plans? Well, it's, it's impacted the publishing plans. Um, quite severely because I was due to bring out uh, the book four of the Dorset Chronicles in uh, March this year and we decided to to hold off on that. Uh, I was going to be doing, um, Wayne Winston at, at Winston's in Sherborne had very kindly offered a, an evening when I could come and do a book launch there at his bookshop uh, but obviously that hasn't happened and can't happen for the foreseeable future. So it sat uh, in a prepared state and, and uh, ready to go for a month. And now I'm just about to release the ebook version of it um, next week. So, have the uh, problems been more sort of promotional rather than on the distribution side of things? Well, the distribution side, in terms of selling through uh, online sales through Amazon of paperbacks, has stopped altogether. Amazon have stopped selling paperbacks. Um, stops printing them, um, so it's it's only really ebooks at the moment. Plus the stock I have of my own books, my own previously published books. So it is a distribution problem, but it's also a uh, a publication problem as well, or a promotional problem. Everyone's sort of talking about lockdown being the ideal time to write that first novel and things like that. But you know, sort of forgetting that you don't have the the stimulation and, and the sort of inspiration of the outside world and things. How do you sort of stay creative and stay motivated to keep writing? Well, that's an interesting question because when I started the lockdown, um, I stopped writing altogether. And I think it was some sort of force within me was telling me to get out and grow vegetables and some sort of self-survival instinct, I think. Um, so I spent three weeks manically uh, putting up a makeshift greenhouse and planting seeds left, right and centre and feeling guilty each evening that I hadn't done much writing. And then uh, about 10 days ago, I, I, I sort of came to my senses and I realised that there has to be balance in this life and I started writing again. And I think that somehow that, that two or three weeks has given me immunity almost from, from the... Uh, the lack of creativity because I've just come bounced back in there and I'm have having all sorts of ideas and um, I've, I've never been short of ideas. It's always been a uh, issue of distilling those ideas and using the, the right ones in the, in the right books. 
The Dorset Chronicles, I should say, are uh, set in Dorset. They deal with Dorset characters, fictional characters, um, but they, they each book tries to incorporate a major national event. Um, so, for instance, in the in the New Lease of Freedom, the first book in the series, I talk about the Monmouth Rebellion, which was very much based in Dorset anyway. Um, in the second book, It Takes a Rogue, I'm talking about uh, the, uh, the invasion by William of Orange, the Glorious Rebellion. And then the third book, Simple Mistake, deals with the Battle of the Boyne. Um, uh, and then the fourth book, which is coming out next week, uh, is dealing with the, the, the first of the American wars, um, and also, uh, sorry, the Battle of the Boyne. The, the third book is dealing with the Siege of Londonderry. So the Battle of the Boyne comes into the fourth book. These characters travel out and, and go out to the borders of Dorset, but then come back and um, bring their issues back with them. Do you sort of see coronavirus as marking a new era in sort of 21st century history? Um, in some ways, yes. Although, although I think one has to keep it in perspective because... There were troubles in the past which make this coronavirus uh, issue look uh, relatively minor. I don't, I don't want to uh, belittle it at all, but, but the, the, the plague of 1665, for instance, killed many, many more people, and nobody understood it, and there wasn't the science to, to get to grips with it uh, in the way there is now. Um, and there were constitutional issues which involved a, a lot of uh, very upsetting uh, issues for people's lives and, and uh, disturbances and, and things like that. So, so in many ways, when you look at the perspective of history overall, I wonder whether the coronavirus will be one more chapter rather than uh, a major change. You can read more about Chris Oswald and his new book, One Shot in the Storm, on his website at chrisoswaldbooks.com. Remember, until the restrictions are lifted, you should stay at home, go out only for essential shopping or exercise, or to work if you cannot work from home, and wash your hands frequently. The Sherburn Podcast, Coping with COVID-19, was produced with Madeleine Pollard. The Sherburn Podcast is a Red Mike production for Brooklyn Media. 